Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Um, John chapter 10 this morning. You know, this is the family service, and so we have uh, the kids, any, any kids seven, to, 7 and up, we have in the service because we want to provide an opportunity for families to worship together, uh, for them to, we need to model what it looks like to worship with our families, with our kids, so that they can see what that looks like. You know, um, I don't know if you've read the statistics about the youth, but uh, they are departing the church in staggering numbers, and part of the reason for that is, is they come into adult church, and they feel like it's boring, or, you know, it's not really, the, it's not geared the same, and so what we're trying to do is uh, get kids, you know, adapted to give them an understanding of what worship looks like all the way around. You know, we have stuff geared for them as well, but we also have uh, times of where we want the family to be together that, uh, you know, you're teaching your kids by them simply observing you worship the Lord yourself, taking notes or whatever. You're, you're being an example to them, and that's one of the reasons why um, we're doing that. And so uh, it, it provides a great opportunity for the family to, to gather together and uh, for you to be an example to your kids. So um, that's why we do it. And um, also I just wanted to um, talk a little bit about... Um, What's going on with our, our build-out for the church? I wanted to kind of bring you guys up to date. I, maybe some of you may not know anything that's going on, but we've been in the process of putting a plan together. I think I, I announced it a, um, uh, about six, seven weeks ago um, that we're expanding into the rest of the building here. And so uh, we have a design that I want to show you that essentially is kind of what we believe to be a, the, 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 it's going to be the plan that we propose to the city and uh, so that you can be in prayer for that. But uh, if you would throw that up there, Adam. We'll get a look at uh, kind of this is the proposed plan over to the right. So this this building's kind of split up in thirds. The 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 first third, which is basically from this wall over, is is this part here, which you know we've got the fellowship area on the very right hand side with some classrooms there, and then uh, the fellowship area here. This will turn into like a fellowship hall. So when we do our potlucks, you know, we'll have a kitchen and all that kind of stuff. It'd be really nice to be able to um, fellowship together. And, um, and then uh, the middle section right here is the, um, the sanctuary area. That, that is going to be uh, basically another third of the building. So the same size uh, from this wall over will be sanctuary. We'll have 162 seats in our sanctuary. Um, and, uh, you know, basically we'll, we'll have it designed so it'll be a little bit easier to flow in and out of there. We'll have a nursing mom's room in the corner with some... Uh, one-way glass that you can see out. You'll be able to hear the sermon, which will be a lot nicer than what we have now. And, uh, and then also, um, we'll have a, uh, the sound guys will appreciate a little sound booth there in the, in the back left corner of the sanctuary. Nice main lobby area. That, that uh, garage door will be the entrance coming into the, to the church itself. And then um, we'll have some bathrooms built over right immediately to the left when you come in the, the lobby. And then this whole area right here the other third of the building is going to be all children's ministry. You have your nursery down in the bottom left corner. Um, essentially, that, actually, let me back up. This right here, right above that, that little uh, L-shaped counter is a check-in for children's ministry. And essentially, it's totally secure. Um, these, these are, that, that, that point of entry right there is completely locked. You can't get in there unless you're checked in. Your kids go into a secured environment because we live in a day and age that you have to do that. It's unfortunate, but um, that, that will be the check-in area. We'll have a nursery right off to the left uh, where you can check your kids in. There'll be a pass-through window for them to go 
in and out of, and then a door right around the corner, um, some family bathrooms, and then some classrooms and stuff. So we believe that the Lord's really um, setting us up to, um, you know, function well in the, in the f- space that we have, and it'll service our body really well. And um, so would you keep that in prayer? And, you know, as time goes on, as we kind of evolve and see what the Lord, how exactly how we're going to proceed, um, you know, there'll be an opportunity for you if you're skilled in some, some way, shape, or form. If you have any kind of skills at all, uh, we'll definitely be calling on your, your, uh, your help. We'll, we'll do some of this stuff ourselves, what we can, and some of it we, we'll obviously hire out to other people. But uh, so um, anyway, keep that in prayer. And, uh, you know, just um, we're excited about what God's doing in, in this place. Are you? Are you? Amen. Yes. Youth room's going to be in the back top left corner back there. See that little, there's a youth room there. And then the secondary lobby will, we may be used for a, a worship area, youth room or something. I'm not sure. Interesting enough, my, uh, my notes aren't coming through. So we're in trouble. But uh, why don't you just, what we're going to do is, uh, if this thing doesn't load, we'll just be led by the Spirit. But John chapter 10, would you just stand with me? We're going to read John chapter 10, the first 10 verses. Uh, We've been going through, uh, we've gone through one through six already, and uh, we will finish John chapter 10 in a three-part sermon this morning, uh, beginning in verse one, we read, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls out, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he, was, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your grace and your love for us this morning. And even as we uh, just read the verse in First Peter there where it says that you've given us um, varied grace, Lord, as a result of our different needs of grace from you. And uh, we just thank you for who you are this morning. We ask, God, that you, as we sit before you, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would um, be molded by your hand this morning. That we would allow you to speak to us. That we would hear your voice. And that we would obey it this morning, God. Help us. We need your help. We ask that your spirit would come and speak to us now. And that uh, you would, we would be recipients of your grace once again. We love you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, we've been essentially the last two weeks going through a three-part sermon called Entering by the Door entering by the door, and what Jesus has been doing is he's, it all started as a result of this blind man that Jesus had healed, and he had healed on the Sabbath, obviously, and that created a big issue for the 
um, Pharisees, they weren't real happy with, um, with you know, the, the, the fact that Jesus had, he had, he had violated man's Sabbath, not God's Sabbath. And so what ended up happening was, um, you know, this man ended up getting kicked out of the church. Jesus came back to him. And obviously, there was a conversation. It started in, in chapter 10, verse 1, with the Pharisees. We see that. Jesus has been talking to these guys, first and foremost, about legitimate uh, shepherding. He, he is essentially hewing off of, um, you know, MC Hammer's 1991 hit, Too Legit to Quit. And uh, he's, he's talking to these Pharisees about how to, uh, um, it, some of you know that, that's, you're, you're old enough, so that's good. It's interesting that uh, only those who would, would, would um, laugh know what I'm talking about. But, but Jesus is using a simple analogy, a sheep-shepherd analogy to speak to these guys about the legitimacy of not only being a shepherd, but now he moves into the legitimacy of being a sheep. He wants to talk to us about what it means to be legit before the Lord. Too legit. You know what I mean? And so what happens is Jesus begins and he starts to talk about a sheepfold. And, he, and he, if you recall, if you were with us, you'll remember that um, Jesus said to the Pharisees that there was only one way to enter, enter as a shepherd, and that was by the door. And Jesus was speaking specifically about a sheepfold that was a common sheepfold in his day that would essentially have a gatekeeper, a porter, that would sit before the, uh, the, the door there. He would lay in the entrance, and he would be the door, but he would govern who goes in and out. And um, the Pharisees of Jesus' time, they had not come to the sheepfold in that way, the sheepfold being Israel. And so Jesus told them, you are thieves and robbers because you didn't come that way. And um, they didn't enter through the door of Scripture. They were not appointed by God's word, but they were appointed by the authority of man, which makes them illegitimate leaders. And that practice continues today as we've been talking about the appointment of man, a man appointing offices in God's church. That is not what we're called to do. We are called to allow the Lord to move in a fellowship and allow him to appoint who it is that he desires. And then we will, God will help us to recognize what that looks like and who those people might be. Could you imagine going to, into a business and just any random, em, em, just an employee deciding that he's going to hire for the boss? Out of nowhere, the boss is not giving him the authority to do that. He's not giving him the right to do that. But yet the, the, the employee takes it upon himself and he sees come someone walk in the store and hey, you look like you'd be a great manager. Well, you know, we have a manager position open and so what we're going to do is we're just going to make you manager. You're now manager. Now, the boss would have a problem with that because that's, this person doesn't have the authority nor are they in a position to appoint anyone. That's the job of the boss, right? And if he gives the authority to that person, then he will do that. But the reality is, is that you can't just do it. He, he has, he's involved in that process. It's the same thing in the church. You don't just appoint people to, oh, we have a need, so you're appointed. Let's just call you this. It's not about that in the church. God has giftings, as we just read about. God has gifted each one of us differently for specific reasons. And it's to make us a complete body in Christ. Like when we gather together in this church today, God has brought a body together. You know, we're a little body of Christ and there's a bigger body of Christ that we're part of, but 
But God has brought every single one of us into this place to be his body to each other here. And every one of us has a function and every one of us has a calling and every one of us has something that we're called to do for the Lord. And we come because he wants to use us in each other's lives. Now, the byproduct of coming and gathering together with a bunch of um, sheep, really smart, really clean sheep, right? No, sheep are not really smart and they're not really clean. But the reason we come together is so that God can use us in each other's lives. So really, there are no pew potatoes in God's church. No one sits at the pew and just says, well, minister to me. No, that's not the way that God's body works. Every, every part of the body has a function. And if, if that's not happening, then the body's not what it's supposed to be. You see, that's what we're, we're all called to come together, to gather together as brothers and sisters and to lock arms and to do the work of the ministry, whatever that is, whatever God's called you to do. And so it's him that appoints the people to whatever parts of the body they do. Now, there are certain parts of this fellowship that people are not callings, you know, like, I don't know, taking the trash out. If you have a calling on your life to take out trash, then hey, praise the Lord. But my guess is that there are just certain things in the body of Christ that we do together so that we can function, you know, and so that we continue to, to flow as a body and we love each other. That's a way to love on one another, taking out the trash. And so on this Sunday, we have a list of things that you can be involved in. You know, you can go to the welcome table, you can, you can plug in and do whatever you want, whatever the Lord's calling you to do or however you want to contribute. These are things that are simple things, putting cards in the back for the, you know, the, the seats and those kind of things so that when our visitors come in, they have some information about our church. They can drop their information in the, in the um, uh, offering box in the back so that we can connect with them, so that we can pray for them, whether they're plugged into our church or not, just that we can minister. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to build the church. God will build that. But we're called to minister to every single person that comes into this place, right? So we do that. So there's an opportunity for you. And, um, but, but the reality is, is that the callings of God are appointed by God alone, and he is the one that will appoint the shepherd, and they have to come in a very specific way. Jesus Christ was appointed by God. Jesus Christ himself was appointed. Yes, he's gone in the flesh, but he is also fully man, and he had an appointment. He had a fulfillment, and it was through the door, through the door of scripture. He had to do exactly as the Lord told him to do. Listen, the people, interesting enough, they didn't recognize it. So, so let that be said, that there are times in your callings in your life where maybe man won't recognize that, but just rest in the Lord. Let the Lord do it. The, Jesus himself was not recognized as the appointed, as the Messiah, as, as the anointed one. He was not recognized, and yet God had appointed him to do that. These people in this day were so used to the system of the religious system of the day that they were, they thought it was common practice for, for, for um, the leaders of Israel to just climb over the walls. Oh, that's the, pro that's the process. They just climb over the wall and they become the shepherd. That's the way it works. No, no, that's not the way it works. You, you go back to the word and you look at the word. What does God want us to do? How does God want us to do it? He's the one that appoints the leadership. Jesus is reminding them of that same process. He, appointment comes by God and God alone and the appointment one, <clears throat> one will uh, come through the door of the scripture. The one that's appointed will come through the door of scripture. And that's exactly how Jesus came. And so Jesus 
is far more legit than MC Hammer or anybody else. He is he has um, done everything that the Lord has called him to do. Not only that, but he is the fulfillment of Ezekiel chapter 34 that we, t- we talked about and the fact that there are so many other prophetic verses that Jesus fulfilled. Jesus didn't just come to be the door, to come through the door though, to be a shepherd, but he also came to be the door. And that's what we're going to look at today. He also came to be the door for, for any and all sheep who would enter to come into the new covenant with him. He was introducing something new. And he had to, he had to come in a specific way in order for him to become the door that you and I might go through. Um, essentially, we're talking about how to become legitimate sheep in God's flock now. Now, I've divided this up into three sections. First, the declaration that Jesus is the door. Secondly, the purpose of him being the door. And finally, the reward for those who enter by the door. Let's look at verse 7 here where we look at the declaration of Jesus being the door. They didn't understand what he was saying. They chose not to understand. This is a simple analogy. They got what, they understood the, the, the picture that he's painting, but they didn't understand the application of it because they refused to see him as he was. Any and all people who, who would willingly see Jesus for who he was came to him and they followed him. You see, so it's a matter of our heart. When we sit before God's word, it's a matter of our heart. It's a matter of where are, are we willing to surrender to what it says. That's what matters, really. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now again, the word truly, truly, that phrase, he's saying, here's a truth, don't miss it. Pay attention. That's what it means. It's to grab the attention of the listener. I am the door. Now, we've talked about this thus far a few times in the study of the, 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 that we've been in in the life and the ministry of Jesus in chronological order. The fact that when Jesus says, I am anything, that it is a declaration of him saying that I'm God. That's what it means. He is saying, I am the light of the world. We, we, we went through that not too long ago. He's now saying, I am the door. Next week, we'll talk about Jesus. will say, I am the good shepherd. This I am statement is a declaration that he is God. It's his declaration to deity. Um, God established that through Moses. Remember when he was calling the children of Israel? He was going to use Moses to lead them out of, the, um, out of Egypt. And, he, and Moses said, hey, man, if I go to the um, children of Israel, how are they going to know that you sent me? Like, they're not going to believe me. Who am I? And he said, well, just tell them I am sent you. And Moses, that was his message. I mean, I am sent me. Uh, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am, uh, you know, declared to me that I'm to come to you and lead you out, out of Egypt. And so whenever you see that, there's a... There's a uh, when you're, when you're interpreting scripture, there's a rule that you use, and it's called the, the, um, the, the, the rule of first use when you're interpreting. So the first time you see a phrase or something used in scripture, and you understand, you interpret what that means, that becomes the meaning of the rest of scripture. You know, you use it in that form. That's how you interpret. And so when God said the phrase I am means God, that's God's name, then any other time in scripture when it's used by Jesus or somebody that that it's a declaration of him, of who he is. It's his name. And so Jesus is telling these guys, I am God incarnate. I am Emmanuel. That is me. Not only am I a shepherd, I am the door. I am God himself. I am the door. The, 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 the second part of that phrase after I am is his function. I'm the light of the world. God illuminates darkness. That's what it is. God, the authority of all things, 
function the light. That's what I do. I, I illuminate. Jesus said, I am the door. I am God, the function, a passageway. But it's a specific passageway. And you can only come in a certain way, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Jesus is helping them understand who he is. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is not hiding his identity from these people. He's revealing himself. This is revelation. This is not, he's not concealing the truth. He's revealing the truth. But the heart is the decision maker in that process. Will I receive or will I reject? You see, and so when Jesus said that, you know, they had a decision to make in their own hearts. Am I going to receive what he's saying and humble myself or am I going to reject his truth? And we know pride will stop us from humbling ourselves. There's no way that he can be that. Well, hold on a second. Let's look at what the word says. Let us not rest in our own understanding because I don't know. The Bible tells me that my understanding is not God's understanding and I probably need to go back and look in the scripture to see whether I'm off base or not. When we sit before the truth, there has to be a willingness to, to, to submit to it and then also to, um, to, to receive it and then to, to walk in it. And so uh, Jesus is helping them understand his function as a door now. Now, I, I mentioned before that there were several different kinds of sheepfolds, remember? Where there's this common sheepfold that we've been talking about, but Jesus changes the analogy here. He's not talking about that same sheepfold anymore. Now he's talking about a wilderness sheepfold. He's talking about he's the shepherd. He's changed the analogy a little bit. Now he's talking about out in the wilderness. He's gonna, the people are going to go out and come in. The sheep are going to go out and come in through the, through the sheepfold into pasture, it says. He's talking about being out in the wilderness. Now, when we were in Israel, we, were, we, we did visit one of these um, wilderness uh, you know, sheepfolds. And it was interesting because they could be, you know, bricked up little, little uh, huts. That, that could be that. Um, they, they could be mostly, they were caves. Just simple caves that the, the shepherd would stack rocks in between and, and he would just leave a little passageway for the sheep to go in and out. And then what would happen is the shepherd, i.e. David or somebody like that, would lay down in the door so that um, no sheep could come in or out and that he would guard them with his life. It's a beautiful analogy. The analogy before Jesus was talking about there was somebody else doing that job. He was a hireling, and we'll talk about that later. In the common fold, there was somebody else that did that, and we, we know that to be Jesus referring to the prophets of old, even, maybe even John the Baptist himself being that porter that was the gateway into the sheepfold that he had been talking about in verses 1 through 6. But now he says, I'm the, I'm the door now. So he's talking about this wilderness sheepfold, and he's talking about his function as the door in the wilderness. Jesus' hearers would automatically understand that. They would get it. We might not. You know, I describe a cave with a rocks climbed up in it, and you, you go like, oh, okay, I don't get that, but whatever. Sounds good. But uh, we did go see one like that. It was pretty cool. But, um, but the reality is, is that these people would have understood it. They would have totally get it. They would, the picture would have been there for them. They would have understood what it meant. When he said, I'm the door, he's saying, okay, I'm the shepherd. I'm the guy that's going to um, lead the sheep, and I'm going to protect the sheep. I'm going to care for the sheep. I am that one. I am the way for the sheep, is what he's declaring to them. So, so he declares his 
the declaration is that he is the door. Secondly, look at, he tells us what the purpose of his, of his function is in verses 8 here. He says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus tells these Pharisees and all that are listening that all the shepherds that had gone before him were thieves and robbers. Now, he's not talking to the likes of David. He's not talking about the likes of Daniel. He's not talking about, you know, Abel. He's talking about these guys who came in and, um, and just, they didn't have no care for the people at all. They weren't real shepherds. They didn't have any care for the sheep at all. He's talking about people like Cain. He's talking about people like Balaam. He's talking like people like Korah. He's talking about people like Jeroboam. He's talking about people that, um, that really have no regard for God's people at all. They're self-focused. He's talking about those people. Even Saul would be a person like that, uh, somebody that wasn't centered on God, that wasn't looking for him. And, and Jesus is helping them understand that these guys, all these shepherds, the, the identification of them is, is found in their deeds. It's found in who they are. It's, it's found in their actions. Listen, legitimacy of a false shepherd and a good shepherd is, number one, found in the fact that they come through the door, but then it's, it's confirmed by their actions, right? Is salvation any different? When we come to Christ and we, we enter into a relationship with Christ, you know, we, we come and we do that, and then our actions confirm the relationship, you see? So, so when you're, if you're in a relationship with Christ, then your actions change. Your desires change. You know, how can you be, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that you're a new creation. Like, you've been changed. You've been completely and totally washed. God has transformed your mind. Like, you have a different focus on life. You're looking at life completely different than you ever have before. And so if you're a believer, if you've come into that relationship, then your actions are going to speak that. Don't misunderstand me. And by any means am I ever saying that, that we're saved or we, can, or we have right standing or favor or whatever with God in that way. What I'm saying is, is that our actions confirm the reality of whether or not we're in relationship with Christ. That's how we can know. You, you think God would just, just go, man, I'm not really going to, I'm just going to let them see, I'm going to let them walk through life wondering if they're in relationship with me. How fun is that? No, that's not, that's not loving Number one, God wants us to know, just like Jesus was revealing truth, he's not trying to conceal it. He's trying to reveal to these guys that they're in relationship with him. And, you know, I was just talking to some friends the other day about uh, this situation, and they, and they saw a real change in somebody else's life, and then they themselves were wondering, whoa, if that's what it looks like, then maybe I'm not saved. If that's what it really looks like, and again, we're not comparing our relationship with somebody else, but what we're saying is that when you come into Christ, if you've been touched by the God of the universe, you will not be the same. No way you'll be the same. You'll be different. Now, that will work its way out in your walk. You know, why do you think, okay, so Paul, and I would say that this, the church, the church um, environment is a lot like uh, the Corinthians, in this day and age, I think our chur the church is, it has enough of the world in it that it, it looks very similar to what the, the, the church of Corinth looked like when Paul was speaking to them. And what he was saying is he's saying, hey, man, you know, um, 
here's kind of, and he works through this process of trying to explain to them what it means to be in Christ, because we all have uh, different ideas of what that means, but, but he tries to use the word to help them understand that, that, you know, yes, we're called to be gracious to one another, but we don't, we don't just welcome sin in, but we deal with it, and we love each other, but yet, you know, if people do things wrong, we, we, we talk to them about it, but there's reconciliation. He's trying to get the big picture of the gospel, like, you know, there's a change, and, you know, we continue to relate to each other through forgiveness. That's the way it works. And that we're not to embrace, you know, sin and all that kind of stuff. But, but listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And I think this is really um, kind of uh, a, a scripture that is apropos for our, our envi- in our church today. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you fail to meet the test. What is he saying? He's saying that if you're in relationship with the God of the universe, that if you would sit down for a minute and you would just look in his word and see what it says about salvation, about what it looks like in my life, you could tell whether you're saved or not. I don't know how many times I wondered throughout my early days of walking with Christ, am I even a Christian? Do I even have, do I have Christ in me? Now, here's the thing is, as a new believer, that you can fall into that pattern because you don't understand grace, and you don't understand that, you know, it's not about all your deeds and stuff. You have changed, and your mindset's changed, and there's forgiveness and all that. that Jesus is, you're justified before him. You're innocent before him. But the reality is, is that that will make its way in your life, and you'll have a desire for holiness. You'll, have, you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness. You have a desire. Like, like you know, if you have no desire, you, could, you said, yeah, I said the sinner's prayer, I have no desire, and I'm exactly the same as I was before, then you better examine yourself. I mean, I know for me, I had a desire. That was one of the, that was one of the ways I knew that I was in Christ. You know, I was, I was in that Romans 7 situation where I was, the things that I wanted to do, I wasn't doing. The things that I didn't want to do, I was doing. And I'm like, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But just like Paul said, and then Romans chapter 8, 1, which is the most glorious verse for a person who's struck and stuck in that, that reality, is there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The reality of the weight's been lifted, the debt's been satisfied, Christ has paid the price. But what I'm saying is, is that you can sit before the Lord and you can sit before his word and he will tell you exactly whether you're in relationship with him or not. Because he wants you to know. Because your eternity is at stake and God came that you might have life and that more abundantly like we just read about. That's his, that's his desire. He, he wants us to be in relationship with him. So, you know, just like the, the, the leaders of Israel and their actions proved the fact that they weren't true shepherds, the same holds true for us in the church. We can apply that to our lives. What are my actions look like? What do my attitudes look like? Do I have desire for the Lord? You know, am, am, I, am, I, am I hungry? And if not, then man, why? Am I saved? Am I in Christ? Has he come into my life? Or am I walking away from him? Am I not submitting to the Spirit of God? Am I not walking in obedience to his word? You know, these are the questions that somebody who is examining themselves walks through and, and goes through. So, um, and many of you have, have put that to rest, and you're, you sit in confidence and security knowing, I'm in Christ, no question about it. You know, my desire 
for the Lord and to do the right thing and, and to, is, is there. I may not do it all the time, but here's, here's the other side. Y- your actions just aren't in what you're doing right, but also when you do something wrong, how you deal with it, right? I mean, if somebody, if I blow it with my family, like my actions in Christ matter. Like, how do I do, what do I do with that? Well, I go before them and I ask them for forgiveness. It's the way it works. And there's a desire to be in constant right relationship because that's what God put in your heart. And so it's not just the the right things you're doing, but also when you do something wrong, how you deal with it. These are ways that you can know. And then you can come to that place where you go, man, I'm secure in him. There's no question in my mind. I know exactly. I'm his. I belong to him. Now I can walk in him. The Pharisees and the false leaders before Jesus, they demonstrated their illegitimacy through their actions. Through, Through their actions. Notice Jesus says that the genuine sheep they didn't follow them. They weren't led astray, it said. But they didn't hear the voice of the false shepherd. They didn't listen. And there are many on TV today that you can listen to. You just turn it on and you're like, whoa, where does that come from? And you're like, I'm not listening to that. I, I'm not, you know, that's not right. And, and you know, wh- whether it even be, it, it can come from anyway. You know what we use as our filter is the word. And we say, man, I don't know, what does the word say about that? And, and yeah, we can have, uh, you know, there's interpreting, you know, different scriptures, you know, but, but the vein, every single, um, you know, pretty much every single uh, position when it comes to the word says the same thing about salvation. It says exactly the same thing about Jesus Christ being the only way. That's the foundation principle of, of Christianity. And so when you hear something different, you're like, wait a second, that's not the Lord, and I'm not listening to that. You know, so, so you can beware, and, you, and there, you, know, you can be a Berean. You can use God's word to discern that. But these, these sheep, didn't, they weren't led astray because they knew God's voice. And they said, that's not God. Do you know God's voice today? He, if you're his, you do. But, but when it comes to the scriptures, and, and somebody says something, do you know it? You're like, well, hold on a second. Let me look that up. That doesn't sound right. That's because you know his voice. So that's the way it works. But... Um, Jesus is helping the, these, Jesus came to help those who were genuine in, in, in walking with, in, in the nation of Israel to lead them out of Israel into relationship with him. And they heard his voice when, when he came. And they, their desire now is what? A longing for God. That's all they want. They want, a lo- they want a longing for God. So they really want a longing for Jesus. He's the one that God sends. He's the one that became the door for us. Look at verse 9. He confirms that. I am the door. This is his purpose. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Again, Jesus repeats that he's the door. Uh, The reason for that, again, is because we think so highly of ourselves that we can become the door, but we can't become the door. Jesus needs to confirm to us to reassure us that there's no way that you can become the door yourself. You need me. I am the door. He reassures us of that. There, There is no human work or religious ritual that can become a door to God's sheepfold. You know, you, you can't be good enough. You can't do good enough. You can't be baptized enough. You can't partake of the Lord's Supper enough. You can't pray the rosary enough. You can't mortify your flesh enough. You can't do anything other than enter the singular door that God gave us, and his name is Jesus. He's the door, and his purpose is this, that we might enter through him and be saved and find security in him and him alone. Find security in him and him alone, only him. God wants you to be saved. 
That's his will for you. Saved from what? What does he want you to be saved from? There's something that we have to be saved from, like Jesus came that we might be saved. Well, what does that word mean, saved? It literally means delivered from destruction. That's what it means, just saved. He came to deliver us from destruction. The destruction of hell, that's a place of eternal destruction. I don't know, is hell a real place? I'm not sure. And, you know, why would a loving God send me to hell and all this kind of stuff? I'm not, I don't get that. And at the end of the day, um, you know, you have to ask yourself, what is God saving you from? What is he saving you from? There is, a, there is a, an account that will be settled when you breathe your last breath before the Lord. And he wants to, and, and if there's debt on your account, guess what? You'll pay for that. You'll pay for that debt. But Jesus came to take the debt away. He came to remove it completely so you don't have to pay anything. You can't pay for the debt. In fact, eternal destruction, even, even in hellfire, won't pay for what you've done. Right? We don't, we don't have a concept of what sin really is. But I promise you, when, when, when people are, are in this place of destruction for all of eternity, they will have a glimpse of the depth of darkness of sin and the holiness of God at the very same time. They will understand darkness for real. And it's not a place that God sends people to. It's a place people choose. God sent a door. And he said, here you go. Here's the door. You have an opportunity to enter it or you have an opportunity to reject the door. But God desperately loves us, man. He has steadfast love for us, as we read earlier. So much so that he provided a door for us. You know, the question is, is why would God provide a door at all? Because he's loving. I mean, you can't reconcile the love of God with the idea that, well, how can there be a hell then? You know, good and justice and righteous and holy has responsibility when it comes to violations of God's rule. And that's what it comes down to. But God doesn't desire for people to to be sent there. He wants to save people. That was the purpose of Jesus coming, to save them. So how do we do that? How do we enter the door? Romans 5, 1, 2 through 2 tells us very, very plainly, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The word tells us that we enter the door by faith. Simple. God's not trying to make it complicated. We enter the door by faith, by believing in what he says. There's, you know, every person in the world, for, for the most part, I would say there's a couple of non-emulators that just are not all, they don't, all the, all the decks aren't, all the cards aren't in the deck. But for m- most people, they would say, yeah, I'm not perfect. I, I've, I'm not perfect, but I'm not bad. I'm, I'm a good person, but I do, I have done some things. You know, I'm not perfect. So most people would recognize the idea that they've, that they've sinned, that they have, that they have um, done something that's, that's wrong. And the Bible tells us, you know, for those people, they have to believe that the fact that in the word of God, it tells us that, um, you know, if we sin, we're separated from God and we need Christ. And so he sends the door. All you have to do is believe in him. It's, it's not complicated. Let's break this down real quick. It says in, in verse 1 there, 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that word justified means judicial, um, you know, it's, God has banged his, his gavel and uh, declared you and I innocent. It's a judicial word. He's saying you're innocent. He's past tense. He's talking about those who have what? Believed by faith. That's how you come into the door. That's how you enter. Who does it apply to? It tells us right here, anyone who believes by faith. Again, well, am I the called? Am I the foreknown? Oh, I don't know. It just says anyone who believes. Anyone who, you, can, you know, if you have the faith to believe, then God's called you. How about that? So you just believe. And what, what's the result of justification? What does it tell? This is what everybody wants. This is what at least these people want, peace with God. To have peace with God. There is no greater human gift that we can get than to have peace with God. That is truly a blessing, to be at peace with the God of the universe. Who must then, who then is our object of faith? What does it say in that verse? Jesus Christ, didn't it? Jesus has to be the object of our faith, not good works, uh, you know, not rule keeping or religious rituals or baptism or Bible reading or anything else. You want to gain peace with God, it comes one way through Jesus Christ. Notice as we continue, it's verse 5, or 5, 1 through 2 tells us it's, it's through Jesus Christ. Again, confirming he's the door. He's the only door. It's through him that we've obtained access. Jesus Christ is the door that opens up grace to us. By Jesus, we enter into a gracious relationship with our Father. He's the door, and it's through him. And so we come by faith. And we enter into what? What did he say in verse 9? Into secure, into salvation. We, we're saved. And then we can come in and out into the pasture. It's back to John chapter 10, verse 9. What's he talking about? He's talking about security. You and I are be going in and out of the sheepfold, into the world, taking the gospel into the world. And we can have security in our Lord as we go in and out. We enter by faith into this relationship with God. We're made right. We're saved. And then he gives us security and protection as a shepherd would in sending us out into the world. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes or tomorrow or next week or next month. What about my health? What about the security of our country? What about this? What about that? Oh, I'm secure in Christ. He has his hand upon my life. Who's going to be president? It doesn't matter because I'm secure in Christ and he's protecting me. When we went to Israel, so many people asked us, man, were you afraid? Were you scared? Were you, you know, as we went, we're like, no, man, why, why would we be scared? We're, the Lord's calling us to go. He's with us. We have confidence in the Lord. Listen, you know, what, how, how is it that our fear can become so great that it can make God so little? How is it that we can, we can allow fear to become such a big giant in our life and, it, and you understand it minimizes who God is when, we, when we're afraid. Man, I can't do that because I'm afraid. And I'm not saying there's, you know, there's not, there are times where fear strikes us, where it comes upon us. But here's the deal, is do we view God bigger? Do we look at him as bigger? Are we saying, Lord, you know what? You're sovereign, you're powerful, you're in control of all things, and I'm going to rest in that not in what I can't see or what I don't know or the doubt that I have. I'm just going to rest in what I do know. 
And I know that you're, the word of God, according to even the, the small view that I have, is you're so big that I can't even comprehend it. So rest in that. Don't be afraid. You come into right relationship with God, you're saved, and then there's security for you. You're not to worry. You're not to be afraid when you take the gospel into a world that was rejecting it. You can confidently share the scripture, share whatever the Lord has you to share in confidence that he's in control and his hand is upon your life. But don't test God. Don't put yourself in, you know, in harm's way on purpose. That's stupid. Do what he tells you to do and, and you'll have security and protection. You know, if a sheep comes out of a sheepfold and he wanders off into the wilderness by himself just doing his thing, guess what? The shepherd's like, man, that guy's a goner. <laughs> What's he doing? He went way off the path. No, Neil, you stay on his path. You have security and his hand is upon you and he's, he'll, he'll protect you and he'll, until he calls you home. There's a time for all of us to come home. But when he calls you home, let it be because, you know, you were doing exactly what he called you to do, not because you were somewhere else where you shouldn't be. Jesus came to give us life. He had to give up himself in order for us to be saved. He, in order for him to become the door, he had to become sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus gave it all for you. He gave it all. He didn't he, he, he became sin for you, for you personally. Not for the nation, but for you personally. It's a personal thing. Don't take that lightly. Don't take that lightly. When you, when you say, man, nobody understands me. Oh, there's somebody that understands you. Maybe nobody on this earth understands you, but somebody understands you. The Lord understands you. He knows you. And he's, he's glad that you're, he came to rescue you by giving up himself. By shedding his own blood. And that's what we're going to remember here today. Is that Jesus gave up himself. All that he was. For you and I. And our reasonable response is to give all up for him. It's not a trade by any means. I mean, how do you trade, you know, honor, uh, you know righteousness and holiness for sin and, and you know, stray. People that, are, that go astray. It's not, it's, 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 uh, it's the great exchange, right? Where Jesus took his righteousness, took your debt upon him, and he gave you righteousness. It's crazy to think that. But he gave 100% for you, and so we're called to give 100% to him. We have the declaration. Jesus is the door, the purpose, salvation, and security. Now the reward. Look at verse 10. We finish with the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and that abundantly. And have it abundantly. The thief is a reference to Satan himself. He is the OT, the original thief. He is the one that has come. And all the false shepherds and disciples, they too have come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mode of operation. That's his desire for people, is that they might steal, kill, and destroy. The motive behind it is hatred. Hatred. So when, when, when you consider the affront upon Christianity today, know that this is an affront on uh, this is all orchestrated by the, the enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his point. And any religion or any, anything that is propagating, stealing, killing, or destroying is not of God and it's of the devil. 
So we can see Islam, we can see all these different things. I'm not saying every Muslim is, a, uh, is, is part of that. What I'm saying is, is that their religion is, and I'm sorry to say that, but it is. It's what it stands for. Stealing, killing, destroying. You know, when you look at radical Islam, they're, they're, not, they're radical because they're living out what their word says. They're living out what their doctrine is. That's how Muhammad spread. The, 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 you know, and I'm not saying Christianity has its own bad, you know, it's got, it's got its own baggage. But here's the thing is those people are outside of the word of God. Our word doesn't say anything like that. But theirs does. And so we have this reality that there's an affront upon Christianity because the enemy is behind it trying to snuff out anyone and everything that smells like Jesus. So that shouldn't surprise us. People are fueled with the, with the gates of hell. That's what they're fueled with the fires of hell to go into the world and to just wipe out Christianity. That's what they desire to do. But man, my word says that will never happen. Jesus said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, 19, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Satan has no hope of overcoming Christ and his church. Listen, we are indestructible. As the organism of God, we are indestructible because Christ is indestructible, and we are his body. And so as much as the enemy would try and take us out, man, the Lord will prevail because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the movement of God. That's what they desire to do is wipe out the movement. Jesus tells us here that he came to give life. He's the direct opposite of, of these shepherds who came to still kill and destroy. He came to give life, to bless those who are dead with life and that more abundantly. When, it, when, he, when he means he came to give you life, he means that he came to give you a life that you couldn't dream of. The life that you couldn't even imagine, he came to give you. It's an abundant life that speaks about the volume of life that God has given you. Yes, it's speaking about eternal life, of course. But it's speaking about a, 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 a type of life that is so unlike what you can experience in the world. But you can experience it here today in relationship with Jesus. You can experience abundant life on earth and you can experience abundant life. You will experience abundant life in heaven. But today you can experience it. Are you experiencing the abundant life? Well, what does that mean? I don't know. Do you have joy inexpressible no matter what your circumstances say? You know, are, are you pouring out love upon people that don't deserve it? That are maybe even spewing hate back towards you? That's the abundant life. The abundant life doesn't mean, man, I got money falling out of my pockets and I got a big house and a boat and all this kind of stuff. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about an inner peace with God that cannot be taken from you. Like there's such a satisfaction in Him that nothing in the world can damage it, can rail you. Nothing can strip, you, strip it away from you. That's what he's talking about. It's available today. You might think like, man, I've been a Christian for 50 years and I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. You know? Well, listen. The reality is, is that maybe you're not walking in the abundant life. We do have the capacity to do that. To not walk in the things that God has given us to walk in. Like we have, a, we have um, the fruits of the Spirit in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. When we don't walk in those things, it's our choice. It's not that God is holding back and saying, man, I don't know if that guy deserves that. That wouldn't be grace. He's giving it to us freely. We have to choose to walk in it. It's a decision. Just like entering the door to salvation is a decision, 
walking in this abundant life with Christ is a decision. You choose to do it or you choose not to do it. So if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I want this abundant life. I want, I want, to, I want to experience that in my life. The, the, the answer is surrender. That's how it comes and that's how you continue in it. It's a simple surrender to God that says, man, Lord, I want everything that you want for me. Change me, make me, you know, search me, know me. Is there anything in me? Remove it from me. Help me, God, to continue to just desire. It's, it's a prayer every morning that says, Lord, I'm available to you. Whatever you want to do, I'm not about my agenda. It's whatever you desire to do in my life. This is about you. This isn't about my career path. This isn't about my, what, I, what, what I think is best for me. What it is is about, Lord, what would you have for me today and help me to walk in it? And if, if the church of Jesus Christ did that, really walked in that, the joy that the world would see would be like, whoa, that would be noticeable. That would turn heads. That would be like, whoa, what, what's going on with that guy over there? What's his deal? He, his life's not perfect by far, and yet look at the peace that he has. Look how he is responding to these things. Am I, am I, is this fantasy? Anybody? Am I, am I explaining fantasy to you? Uh-uh. No, this is his word. This is reality. However, some of us view it as fantasy. Man, I'll never be that way. Man, I wish I could. If I could only muster up the strength to, you know, it's not about your strength. It's more about your submission. It's more about your submission. Be surrendered to him this morning. If you're in a relationship with him and you're not experiencing the abundant life that you desire, surrender. Surrender all the more. I am surrendered. Well, there's more for you to surrender. I got to surrender this morning. We all got to surrender this morning, man. We continue to surrender to him, amen? He gave you a door to open. He became the door for us. And it's represented in these two elements right here. That's the door. That's how he became the door. He opened up salvation for you and I so that we can be in relationship with him. And then he gave us security through that relationship. And he gave us abundant life. That's the reward for those who enter, who, those who cross the threshold of the door and they enter into relationship with him. God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for Jesus and for giving us him and for allowing him to become the door for us. Lord, we pray this morning that you would help each one of us to just rest in the finished work of Jesus, Lord, as we consider his life, his death, his resurrection, all that he's done for us this morning. Would you help us to surrender to you, God? We know that you have such a greater plan for us than we do. And Lord, we desire to know what that is and we desire to walk in it. So just continue to reveal yourself to us and we'll be patient, Lord, and we'll wait and we'll sit before you totally surrendered, Lord, whatever you want. God, for those in this room today that are saying, hey, you know, um, I think I'm surrendered. I want more. Lord, will you help them to just lay down whatever things are, are holding them back? Would you reveal those things even now? Lord, there are things in our lives that all of us, uh, you know, not, not really recognize, but they're holding us back from deeper relationship with you. It can even be, a, it can be an idol. Lord, it can be even our own families where we've, where we're, it's a good thing. It's a common grace. It's something that you've given us, and yet we've made it more than what it's supposed to be, Lord. God, help us today to surrender those things to you, God. We want to be about your business, whatever you desire for us, Jesus. Move in our hearts this morning, God. 
And for anyone who has not entered the door this morning, God, may they come by faith and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior before we enter into this time of communion, Lord. If there's anyone in this room that needs a relationship with you, would you just reveal to them, even now, God, as, as we continue to pray, anyone that needs a relationship with you that's saying, hey, I'm not sure if I'm in right relationship with you, God, but I want to be this morning. If there's anyone, would you just lift your hand up to him? Just say, Lord, that's me. Is there anyone in this room today? Don't wait, man. I posted on our Facebook. God bless you. Is there anyone else in this room that needs Jesus today? Maybe you're, maybe you've come this morning and you're saying, man, I thought I was a Christian, but now I'm not sure. Listen, Jesus came to give himself for you, so you give him all. This is about you. There is not, there is no time. Today is the day of salvation. You don't know when God's going to call you home. I'll give you one more opportunity. Anybody else? Awesome. Well, for the one that raised their hand, we're going to just say a simple prayer in your heart by faith and putting your faith in Christ. Just repeat these words after me in your own heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning for who you are, that you are my way, that you are the door, and I'm choosing to enter into this morning. And I pray, God, that you would just forgive me for my sin, that you would help me, Jesus. Rescue me this morning. I enter into relationship with you through your perfect life, through your death, and through your resurrection. I'm putting all my faith in you. And help me to walk securely in you now, Lord, to know that I'm giving you all this morning. Thank you for salvation, for the gift of life. In Jesus' name, amen. And for anyone who uh, wants to recommit their lives to Christ, you just do that. You just surrender him to this morning as we sing this song. You just come to him and you do the same thing. Lord, repent. Just come back to him. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.